Welcome to 2D Pokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Championship weekend was something else. Robbie, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the playoff choices. We had Alabama in there over Ohio State. I I thought it was... Um... I, it would have been a tough decision for me. I think yeah, I've listened to a lot of uh, you know sports talk radio today. You never know how much people knew already or expected it, but now every analyst is like, "Oh yeah, I knew it was going to be Alabama," because everybody wants yeah. to act like they were right. Um, I wasn't there all the way. I thought that conference championship could have meant something to the committee. It ended up being, I think, more so that the Iowa game, that blowout at home. Um, is ended up what sealed it for it to go Alabama's way. Um, you know, if yeah. Wisconsin had won, it would have been an easy decision. Nobody even would have paid attention and probably even watched the <laughs> announcement because everybody knew what four teams it would be. When that didn't happen, uh, I think it was the Iowa game that really ended up pushing it in, in Alabama's favor. And, you know, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of coaches in that room. Um, there's ADs in that room. And, uh, you know, Nick Saban's going to command a lot of respect, even though prior years should not necessarily influence it. There's been enough years, um, you know, four of what the last eight national championships they've won or something like that. Uh, it's kind of crazy. So uh, yeah, they, it's going to command it. They earned that spot, some of which on previous years because mm-hmm. it's Alabama. If it was Mississippi State with the same resume, they might not get in, but it's Bama. And last year, the Ohio State played in that four spot and lost to Clemson, and they got shut out. And that might have been on the minds of the committee. But when it ultimately came down to it, everyone's resume has black eyes. I just think Ohio State's had, like, a broken nose. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. that's really what it was. That 31-point loss to Iowa, you said it. It's, it's just too much to overcome. And what would happen if Alabama had gone to Iowa City that day? Do, would they ever lose by 31 points? No, I I don't think it would. It's not possible what they allowed it. The, the level of talent that they had, they you would almost just luck into keeping it into a closer game just based on the strength and the, the offensive defensive lines, all of that. I mean, it just no, it wouldn't happen. Well, with that initial reaction out of the way, we just want to do a short podcast today to talk about the bowl game. We had our selection and also. Just make an announcement about our next podcast we're going to do, which is going to be a Virginia Tech-Kentucky basketball preview. We're doing it at Downtown Crown Wine and Beer in Gaithersburg, Maryland, next Saturday, December 9th. We're going to start around noon, and the beauty of Downtown Crown Wine and Beer is that it's essentially half a bar, half a beer store. So they have taps. It's a whole bar set up. You can get a growler. You can get crowlers, whatever. It's a really nice store. My uh, buddy Arash owns it. He's going to host us. Uh, He'll talk some beer with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I think I said two podcasts ago, my friend Richard Drake and his brother Mike Drake, big Kentucky basketball fans, are going to help us preview that game. I think we'll have a lot of fun. Yeah, Arash knows his his stuff. On Facebook, I've watched his interviews that he does with um, you know breweries and stuff like that in the area. I've never been to his uh, his spot, uh, so I'm looking forward to to popping in there and seeing it because they have a ton of uh, beers 
draft beers, uh, you know, stuff that you can get at growlers of. It's it's going to be a wild time. And they do a lot of great events too. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of seasonal things they host. And like you said, always bringing in brewers. So it's a perfect place for our podcast to do a show. And so we're finally going to make it happen this this next weekend. So on that note, the basketball note, this week went great for us. We got both of those wins we were talking about. We beat Iowa in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and the ACC performed amazingly well in that challenge overall. I think we went 11-3 and three yeah. was the final tally. And, yeah, it just smoked um, smoked them way more. I think it was a lot more wins than we've ever had in like at least the past kind of 10 years. I think when we started that challenge, um, the Big Ten kind of – owned us and then it's turned tides and now it's the ACC that's had a kind of commanding um, wins, but not nothing to the 11 and three level. That's yeah. Because for a while, those conferences were smaller, you know, they didn't have 14, 15 teams in them. So it was the most wins in ACC big 10 challenge history. So it's, it was an impressive performance and our performance, especially on the defensive side, I think was the most surprising thing about that game. Cause if there's one weakness we've had, it's been our defense. We can score the basketball with anyone, but the defense showed up in that second half. We were turning Iowa over, getting out in transition, and it wasn't the best shooting night in the world, but we just were putting up a lot of transition buckets, and it was it was fun in that second half. Yeah, it's uh, it, they are. It is fun, but it is nerve wracking to watch because I think we, mm-hmm. we were joking around, uh, and I, I was saying the formula for Virginia Tech basketball is. Basically, you know, the first half, just keep it within 10, 5, 10 points down almost always. And then um, just pick up a ton of fouls. And then in the second, you know, half and, you know, people start fouling out or getting into foul trouble. And, and that's really where we kind of start to stretch things out. And, and that was the story of the Ole Miss game, which was way different than the Iowa game. And really, we had no business winning. We held on in overtime 83 to 80. And man, that was hard to watch. And it wouldn't end. When we went to overtime, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Because one, we had a four-point lead with 19 seconds left, miraculously, because we had not played well. We blew that. We had one of our inbounds passes stolen. They came back, tied it up. I'm like, I got to watch five more minutes of this. I just want to watch football. I can't do it because I got to you know, stay low out of my Hokies and watch this one. Because it, w- it was a nice win on the road against an SEC team. But it was brutal to watch, man. It was so ugly. There was just so many mental errors and stupid mistakes. Um, you know, turning the ball over at just weird times. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was bizarre. Um, and they covered the spread though. And the spread with it was <laughs> they two. They did cover the spread. <laughs> spread. Was two and a half. And they won eighty three. <laughs> yeah, Ole Miss started the game shooting the lights out. They were seven of nine from three to start, and they finished nine of thirty one. So yeah, one of their players started finish. four for four, like right off yeah. the bat. And that's when things were, I was getting a little bit worried. And, um, you know, luckily I, I, I was watching it going, man, this can't like, this can't be sustained throughout an entire game. Right. And then it ended up t- turning back on itself. And, you know, the numbers all came back to back to earth. Yeah. We ended up shooting a better percentage for, from three, uh, than them. Somehow we were seven of 22 and we were not good by any means shooting from three we we've struggled a little bit lately with our shots from deep bibs is uh percentage is is down for him and uh Nikhil alexander walker might be hitting a little bit of just some freshman hiccups so we'll see how it shakes out these next two games got two more warm-ups against radford 
and Maryland Eastern Shore before the UK game, which is December 16th. Uh, let's hope that offense gets back clicking again before we go to Kentucky. Yeah, that's going to be a necessity. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about championship weekend just a little bit. A lot of fun games started on Friday night with USC Stanford, and that ended up being a really good game. I think both of us got that pick wrong because we took USC to cover. Was it three or was it three and a half that we picked it at? I can't uh, even remember because we might have pushed. Yeah, it might have been three. It might have, I think it was. Um, but I would have but to go back Stanford, uh, they were so impressive this year because I thought they were dead in the water a couple different times in the season. And Bryce Love and that ankle just were a problem week after week. But he was just playing amazing through it. And I thought they were going to pull it off uh, at one point in that game on Friday night. Yeah, it was, um, you know, even even in, I would call this year, not a great year for Stanford, um, you know, in comparison to what they've had in some of the years prior. But, man, they can just compete. Uh, they're they're they always in it. And it's always, uh, you know, with those big offensive linemen and their ability to run the ball, um, they find a way to, to, to win, you know. Uh, and it's not always the prettiest, but it works for them. Yeah, and they came... They came very close to, to winning the Pac-12 title in what was supposed to be a down year for them. Yeah. Memphis-UCF on Saturday. That got the day going, and boy, did it ever. Almost 1,500 yards of offense in that game. UCF won in double overtime, 62-55. to And we were talking about the USF-UCF game the week before, which was amazing. And the Memphis game. Memphis, I mean, kudos to them, man. They showed up in UCF Stadium, played amazingly well, and damn near pulled it off because they were down multiple scores at multiple times in the game and still almost won. Yeah. The, uh, those offenses, both of those and USF for that matter to the game Mm -hmm. that we talked about previously, all those offenses are just beasts. I mean, they can put up points. I will say that their defenses are all trash as well. (laughs) So keep that in mind. You know, people were talking about how undefeated UCF, um, that calling people calling into radio shows saying, you know, what about them? Why wouldn't they get into the playoff? And the consensus from every, you know, analyst that I heard was like, listen, I love their offense. Don't get me wrong. They are exciting team to watch. Their defense sucks. Like (laughs) they would get the, you know, imagine like Oklahoma playing against, um, a a UCF team. They would, (laughs) yeah, they might score 80. (laughs) It would be crazy. Uh, but on those two teams, Stanford and UCF, that we just talked about, two years ago when we were doing our coaching search, and this will lead us to a, our point on Fuente too, we were talking about which coaches we would want to start our programs. And I really wanted Tom Herman at the time. Yeah. Fuente was high on my list. And we went to a broader side of guys we would never be able to get or never hire, but who we'd want to start a program with. And then when I asked you that question, who did you say? I said, said Scott Frost. <laughs> you said Scott Frost two years ago. And you almost peed I just was like, laughing. you've got to be kidding me. That is such a bizarre choice because I gave you anyone in college football to choose except for Meyer, Saban, and Harbaugh maybe. I, 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 we, we took out like the big boys and we're like, anyone else in college football, who do you want to start your program with? And you said Scott Frost. <laughs> and right now, Nebraska just made them their, his, their head coach. It seems like a hell of a choice. I think I said David Shaw. Mm-hmm. So we both, I wanted Tom Herman because he was available, but if I could have chosen anyone, I wanted David Shaw. And both of those guys 
are incredible coaches, but you picked the coach on the rise, and that's an impressive, uh, impressive choice two years ago for you. <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's be honest. He he has managed to build a uh, offensive juggernaut. He has also managed to build a team that is not very good at defense. So, um, but that said, you could put Bud Foster in with that UCF offense. Um, that would be uh, that would have been something else. So, it really would have been. And hey. I'm not sure anyone could have done any better than Fuente's done, but Scott Frost probably would have worked out well too. So the rest of the games, not too many surprising results, just maybe a couple surprising scores. We had Georgia beating Auburn by 21 points, and we had Clemson beating Miami 38-3. to Clemson, again, when they have to play hard, it's it will look out. It happened last year against Ohio State in the playoff. And it, it happened in against Alabama in the championship game. And you would see it at times during this season and last season. But, man, when they want to play, they just they just open up a can on you. Yeah. They, uh, you know, I'm not going to compare Dabo to, um, you know, our friend uh, Satan in Alabama. I, I mean, Saban. <laughs> but, um, you know, in terms of being a coach that can get his team up and ready for a big, big-time game, he's turned into one of the best of them. And... It hasn't always been, you know, the case, um, but you know, over time they have now become a team that, and if you give them some prep time as well, um, watch out. They they can be dangerous and they'll scheme against you. So I was not surprised in the least about um, the the score. I thought Miami was going to get blown out. I figured they'd put up more than three points, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I didn't think. I thought it was going to be you know a very one sided game. Yeah, I thought I really thought that Miami was going to show up because they're a, a bright lights kind of team too, but they they just didn't. And they weren't helped earlier in the week by Amon Richards getting hurt and I think Chris Herndon their other wide receiver was hurt or that's their tight end, he was hurt too. So they were a little banged up, but not to the tune of 38 to 3. That shouldn't have warranted that result, but man oh man, Clemson looks good and they were the number 1 seed. Then you had Oklahoma at two, Georgia at three, and of course we talked about Bama at four. That Georgia-Oklahoma game is going to be fun. Yeah, I am so excited to see that and talk about just two different styles of of football. Um, You look at Oklahoma's offense versus um, you know Georgia's defense. It's really kind of strong on strong. Georgia, you know, and doing it in different ways, you know. Although I will say Oklahoma, kind of one of the things, you know, Baker's stats are so unbelievable, but they do have a pretty good rushing attack as well. I think that's a little bit overlooked um, in just given everything that Baker's done this year and the fact that he's been, you know, a consensus Heisman for almost, you know, since the start of the year um, and never doubted. I think that's going to be a really fun game and to see those teams go up. And I don't think um, they've ever played each other, which is another kind of, um, you know, interesting point. And Georgia, I don't think has played in the Rose bowl, you know, like ever. I mean, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's been, this is the, you know, probably the first time. Yeah. It's funny, man. It's, uh, both of the games. I mean, you get the rematch between Alabama and Clemson the third year in a row. Now it's not in the championship game, but it's in the playoff. And how about that for Clemson? You have this incredible season, you know, you have the most quality wins of any team out there. You're the number one seed, and you're rewarded by having to go up against Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> like, that sucks. That <laughs> sucks. And when you think about, like, Dabo, they were talking about it on the show, that when Dabo's watching that results show and he sees Alabama come up instead of Ohio State, a team they shut out last year in the playoffs, he's probably like, 
Son of a, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's like, oh man, are you, are you joking? I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting. I, I, I listened to a couple of the interviews um, with uh, some of the Clemson players and they, they seem excited about it. I yeah. mean, they, they want to prove that that wasn't a fluke and that they can do it again. I mean, it, first of all, anybody that thinks it's a fluke is, I think, you know, deceiving themselves because that it took Nick Saban an onside kick the year before to end up beating them in that in that game. Yeah. So, um, and that was, I mean, give me a break, you know, winning on a, with an onside kick getting the ball back. So, um, it should be it should be wild. I'll see what happens with uh, this game, but um, nobody's going to be have Clemson as an underdog this time around. I don't think. I don't think so either. So before we get to our game, let's quickly talk about our coach to finish out that coaching thought. And that's Justin Fuente, rumored to go to Florida State, at least be a candidate. He was never rumored to go there, but as a candidate. And today he announced to the team, we heard from sources that he was telling them he was going to stay. And then later in the day on the conference call, it was addressed and he said, I'm not talk to anyone and I'm very happy here at Virginia Tech. So rest easy hokey fans. We told you to relax in our last podcast. I'm glad that ended up being true cuz I'm not going to lie. Even I was slightly nervous when I'm hearing that he's a top candidate for Florida State. Well, I'm you know, the the national media perspective was that if Florida State picked up the phone, he was gone. Right? That that was the national perspective. The people closer to the program um, you know, the beat writers and, you know, the, the websites and, and things that people that are, you know, have a little bit better pulse of what's happening in Blacksburg and are reading every single article and know all the facts. Um, we're less confident that if Florida state picked it up, but that is a consensus consensus five, you know, f- top five job. Absolutely. With a ton of talent on the roster, DeAndre Francois will be coming back. He's going to be a good quarterback. And basically, they could cut a check for, you know, up there with anybody in the nation to to get somebody in as a coach. So um, if he did get that call and rejected it, uh, that means huge, huge things for Virginia Tech. Yeah, and he just said, I've declined to talk to everybody that's come along. So that makes me think there was never, obviously, an offer listened to or anything like that. And you know he could probably get almost double his pay at Florida State. So to not even take the call, it speaks volumes about how much he loves being at Virginia Tech and wants to raise his family there and at least be there for a little while longer, that's for sure. So I couldn't be happier about that. Definitely don't want to have to restart the whole program build. So it's great news, and it makes for a really interesting matchup for our bowl game because we're going to be playing Oklahoma State that's where Justin Fuente's from. There's a lot of ties on this staff to him uh, and and the staffs in general. So it's going to be interesting. We're playing in the Camping World Bowl. Oklahoma State is number 19, and we are number 22 in the final college football playoff rankings. So from a rankings perspective, it looks like a pretty even matchup. But the reaction from Hokie fans is that, whoa, I'm scared about this. And we hinted at it too before. Yeah, we said... I think we said of all the matchups that could happen, what's the one team that we probably re- realistically that could happen? What's the one team that we didn't want to play? And Oklahoma State was the answer for both of us because, right. um, well, a pretty well-known fact is that their offense, the S and P Plus, is ranked number three in the entire nation. So, um, yeah, this is a offensive juggernaut that we're going up against here, and you know, with what we're 
uh, putting out on the field on the offense just right recently that um, that could be interesting. Yeah, third in scoring offense, and we're fifth in scoring defense. So it's a battle of strengths, but this is by far the best offense we've faced. And when you look at our schedule, scoring defense, that doesn't take into account like who you're playing. The S&P Plus does. And yes, we're a top 10 defense, but man, I'm not sure we've seen anything like this. It's like West Virginia's offense, but on steroids, basically. <laughs> yeah, a ton of wide receiving talent. Um, well, I don't know if we have enough. I, I think with the, the injuries and everything, I'm hoping that we can get everybody healthy, but... Um, I don't know that even with our secondary, which is always the strength of Virginia Tech, that we have enough to cover all of their their wide receiving talent. It, they're unbelievable at that position, and they are tall, they are big, and they can go up and get the ball. It's uh, it's a high powered uh, you know uh, passing offense for sure. Yeah, Mason Rudolph, their quarterback, he is the leading passer in FBS. Their receiver, James Washington, is the leading receiver in FBS, and he's probably going to win the Bolitnikoff Award for the best receiver in the nation. He has like 1,300 yards this year. We'll do a full bowl preview in a couple weeks, but we just want to hit the overarching points in this, and that's that this is just a really dangerous offense. And you think they're just a passing offense? Well, that's not true because they run for over 180 yards per game and put up you know four and a half yards per carry. With uh, I think the running back Justice Hill, yeah, Justice, so, yeah, he put up thirteen, you know, thirteen hundred yards of uh, rushing offense and fourteen TDs this year. So, uh, yeah, it's not just uh, a one one sided attack for them. So, it'll be interesting. The good thing is their defense isn't very good. It's if you look at the S and P plus, it ranks right between Pitt and Georgia Tech, and against Pitt and Georgia Tech we put up 20 and 22 points. So hopefully we can get to that 20-point mark. And if we do, we're going to have a chance to win the football game. It's just, can we put up a performance like Texas put up against Oklahoma State? They only allowed 13 points in an overtime game to Oklahoma State. And you look at the second-best defense they played was TCU, and they scored 31, which is a good number, but... You combine those two totals, that's 44 points. Yeah. That's 22 per game. Yep. So if you're at maybe the Tech can put up 20 points, and if, I'm just trying to like get a framework for what we might be looking at here. And it could be, you know, a low 20s kind of game. Yeah. And on I was on Reddit today looking at, you know, some of the postings on there. Both teams um, are trying to get that 10th win. You have kind of that going for you. Uh, the one of the couple of differences are that, you know, some of the Oklahoma State, you know, fans are a little bit concerned about them kind of mailing it in on this game because they this was a um they were in contention or at least believed to be in contention from the kickoff of the season even somewhat after that tcu loss for the playoff um so if you look at that going from you know potentially making it to the playoff and now they're in this bowl um there may not be as much motivation but there's also a lot of senior talent on this team so they're going to want to go out with a w uh, next year is going to be a rebuilding year. This was their playoff run year. Next year is going to be a rebuild. So um, there's a lot of seniors on the team on the other side of the coin that are going to want to go out with a W. So uh, it'll be interesting there. That is a, an interesting perspective. I hadn't really thought of that, that our season, we're kind of, we a lot of us thought we'd go 9-3, and three, but we're very pleased with our season. I don't know how pleased Oklahoma State's fans or team is with their season end result. 
their fans or not. Most most people on there, and you know, Reddit has well-educated football fans. Like if you spend any amount of time on there, these are not emotional people. There's not flame wars or anything like that. It's probably the most kind of PC, um, well-educated fan football fan base uh, website that I'm, I'm aware of, and um, they basically most of them called this this season a disappointment is how they thought about it at nine and three. So, um, you know, keep that in mind. That's at least the fans. I don't know about the players, but they're not happy. A couple fun things about this one. It's at five 15 on December 28th, which is a Thursday. So you essentially get to have happy hour with the Hokies, which I thought is kind of cool. I would prefer the game to be on Saturday. That's what we're talking about with the tax slayer bowl. That was a Saturday game, but Thursday at five, that's a, during the holiday season, you might be able to get that Friday morning off. Like, so it's not so bad. <laughs> I, I, I'm definitely going to take that Friday morning off. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, someone else I saw tweeted that it's the Hokey Pokey Bowl because they're the, you know, the cow pokes. People call them the pokes. It's, it's pretty, uh, I thought that was pretty great. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a classic, uh, clever, clever classic line. Um, do you know the, the original? If you're ever interested in reading a funny article, there's a Reddit um, on there uh, that talked about the the whether we would play Oklahoma State and it being the hokey pokey and game, and it was came out like a year ago. Somebody wrote it, and really? it was like a hypothetical, and the way that they worded it was absolutely hilarious. And it was like, so if <laughs> it was like, so unless one of these teams, because I guess we're tied like one one, like wins and losses, and it was like. You know, unless one of these two teams can turn it around, <laughs> then one of the teams is going to have like one, you know, take the lead overall. And that's what it's all about or something like that. It was like <laughs> it was what they call like it was one of the, like, the off season. They call them shit posts because they're just like terrible posts that have no relevance whatsoever. But people are bored during the off season. It was great. I'm hoping that the band plays the hokey pokey during the game and that the whole stadium does the dance in the stands. That's kind of what I want to see. An interesting thing on the coaching ties is that Fuente was recruited by Mike Gundy years and years ago to play quarterback for Oklahoma State when Mike Gundy was an assistant there, which I thought was pretty wild. Fuente ultimately ended up going to Oklahoma, but Gundy was a legend in the state, and apparently Fuente was one of the best young passing quarterbacks in the state rather than you know being an option quarterback. And he really wanted them to come to Oklahoma State. I thought that was fascinating. And I also thought it was fascinating that Vance Vice played tight end with Mike Gundy as the quarterback of Oklahoma State. Oh, my God. That's outrageous. I hadn't heard that. I heard the first one. I hadn't heard the, the that one. Yeah, the key play put out an article on the bowl selection and Fuente's uh, comments on not going anywhere else. And it had all this information in it. It was really, really good. I recommend you read it. But yeah, there's a bunch of Oklahoma ties on the two staffs. It's it's really it's really kind of funny. I'm I'm hoping it like you said that they come out a little bit less motivated than maybe we are to get to that tenth win. But I don't think it's going to be the the boat race that a lot of our fans kind of reacted that way today. They're just like, oh man, we're in, we're in deep trouble. I don't know. Yeah, we're it's going to be hard. It's not going to be an easy game, but. We've got a strong secondary, and if Adonis is healthy, you've got Faison, you've got Stroman, and you've got him all back there at corner. And, yeah, you're going to miss Terrell. That's going to hurt a little bit. But our backup safety said played well. Yeah, I agree. It's I'm, 
I'm excited about it. It's a bowl game, right? So I'd love to get to 10 wins, but bowl games are supposed to be uh, fun. And if nothing else, this is going to be a fun matchup with a team yeah. that you know we don't cross paths with, um, you know, almost ever, except 72 and 1973 were the last times, or 71 and 72 is the last times we played. Yeah, it's a lot better than having to play Purdue and New York or even Iowa State. You know, it's a it's a fairly big-time team. They're not what you'd call a blue blood, but Gundy's made them into a, a, you know, a national power. So it's fun to go up against those kind of teams. And I would say similar fan bases, similar expectations, kind of more blue-collar type of uh, teams and the way they want to go about their business. So... It's a uh, it's a good matchup. I think it's fun, and I I love the fact that there's some links between the coaches and stuff. So it'll it'll be a lot of fun. And with Gundy involved and the mullet, it's it's gonna be great. <laughs> the mullet is gonna make my day. That's the best part. All right, man. I think that's all we are gonna do tonight. We're not even gonna do any beer reviews tonight. Just just a little conversation. We did want to bring you some reaction and make the announcement about our recording next week at Downtown Crown. So. If you're around, come out for it. Like I said, we're going to be starting around noon, probably finishing up 2 to 3 p.m., something like that. But come listen to us uh, talk some basketball. We'll see We'll see if we can uh, give you the same level of information with regard to that Kentucky matchup as, uh, as we try to with the football team. And until then, go Hokies. Go Hokies.